48-hour art check. Best of podcast. We go live Monday, Wednesday, Friday on YouTube. 9 p.m. California time, and you can join us there live in the chats or watch them later. You can always check things out at coreykerr.com slash 48HR. We take the best conversations from those live streams and rip them and put them into this podcast. Today's topic is working remotely and working with remote partners. And so I I wanted to talk about this because I am going to be starting um, in a situation where I'm going to be doing a lot of project management with a team spread uh, across the U.S. and possibly in the future across the world. And um, I think management of assets, uh, and when I say assets, I'm talking about like the things that you are creating. So for example, um, I've got a short film that I've been trying to do myself and I've been really toying with the idea of, um, getting some other people involved. Um, and that would mean that we would have to, we'd have to manage those assets. I need so-and-so to, you know, do the leg of this character. I need, you know, these guys to do the background, you know, and, and I need somebody to look over the storyboard. So there's all of these moving pieces in a project and it doesn't even have to be a complicated project, like, like a short film, like an animated short film. It could even be, you know, just like a simple graphic design project, you know, where you've got some people shooting some photos for you and other people doing some layout, um, you know, or I've managed catalogs and Josh, I mean, you do this all the time, um, you know, but I've done all that in person. Um, and so I just wanted to talk about like, what changes when you're not in the same bullpen? What changes when you're not in the same office? And how might you, um, you know, do that so that you're setting up your um, collaborators for success rather than, uh, than you know, what, what happens when things break down is everybody always blames the other people, you know, like, oh, yeah. you know, blah, blah, blah. And so I just wanted to go through maybe um, just real quick a couple things to that, that I've been thinking about to kind of to kind of get started. But but just any any thoughts to kind of kick it off? Yeah, I mean, um, so most books on entrepreneurship and running your own business um, will kind of touch on this, but there's kind of a rule of thumb when it comes to sort of outsourcing. And and what you're doing is outsourcing, um, even if it's like, you know, domestic outsourcing, it's still outsourcing. And uh, there's a rule of thumb with outsourcing that's really important not to overlook, which is it's really hard at the beginning. Yeah. Um, implementation of outsourcing is really dependent on proper black back planning, um, really clear communication and, um, and a lot of back planning when it comes to deadlines. Um, so what you don't want to do when you're outsourcing from my experience is become too reliant on the outsourced assets. Um, so that's where you back plan your deadlines. Like, Maybe your deadline that you give someone in Arizona is different than the deadline you give your in-house guy here locally. Yeah. Um, because you need to a lot for time. And the biggest challenge I'd say with outsourcing is you don't have people on the clock to make revisions. So you have to kind of back plan for that as well because um, art is a, a weird process that requires a lot of revision. Um, and sometimes minimal revision, depending on the clarity of the communication at the get go, 
but um, you need to kind of plan that into your schedule um, because once again, you're beholden to a deadline of your own. And so a lot of it's just about effective back planning, effective distribution of the work. And then, um, and then just a lot of early stages of spitballing. So like a perfect example of that is like right now I'm working with uh, two artists, um, like one in Cambodia and, uh, and, and one is in, I think, Iraq. Um, and these are 3D modelers. And so I had to kind of set up a, a, a system to kind of create a 3D modeling situation for these people that works really effectively and, and part of that was a lot of back and forth on what was acceptable, what's not acceptable, because these are things that are going to be made into physical molds yeah, um, and 3D printed. And so it's a little different than kind of something being made for just optics um, for like film, because a lot of the time with film, you can get away with a 3D model that maybe is hollow on the back or has like holes in it in areas that people can't see. But when it comes to something that's going to be 3D printed, it has to be physically perfect um, to be able to be in an injection mold. Right. Um, and then there's all sorts of considerations with that. My point is, um, the clearer you are with those considerations from the get-go, the easier it is to do minor revisions to kind of get to the end goal that everybody's trying to get to. Um, but I will say... It, it, it becomes complicated mainly because of communication. And one thing that's great about having people on site or in front of you is generally there's a, a time expectation. So if you have somebody from nine to five, you have them there to uh, make whatever changes they need to do like a, in a timely manner. Yeah. And you can just walk uh, over to their desk and say, Hey Bob, you know, by the way, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, there's a lot of time bought for troubleshooting um, and then quicker turnarounds, which is is the whole domestic versus outsourcing kind of argument in general is like, you know, when, when you're working locally, you can get quick turnarounds. When you're working domestically or when you're working in internationally, the turnaround time is, is extended a lot. Um, and then you also have to take into consideration if you're using freelancers, that they aren't beholden to your schedule. Right. And so you have to kind of back plan that in. But yeah. I do think with proper back planning, um, you can have a really good relationship with outsourced teams. It's just a matter of building the team at first. That that's kind of the headache. Yeah. But once and you so have, a like, lot of, a lot of what you're saying, I, I feel like falls into the category of um, communication in a, in a yeah. specific niche of communication, something that I find super important that I've, that I've focused on in, in client work. Um, and that I think will translate really well into, into kind of remote management is expectation management. And so if, um, and I always tell this to students, they'll come to me and they'll say, Oh, I've got this client and blah, 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 blah. And they start complaining about the client. And I always tell them now that's not your client's fault. You know, that, yeah. that is your fault for not managing the expectations correctly. Yeah. Um, and so if at the beginning of the relationship, um, you don't talk about this type of stuff like, Hey, when do you typically work? You know, like you're, yeah. 
seven hours different because you're you're across the world or you're in New York and so you're two or three yeah. hours different or whatever. Um, you know, when might I be able to get a hold of you? What's you know that type of thing? And then, what does Tuesday mean for you when you say do Tuesday? Like simple yeah. questions like that can cut a lot of miscommunication that leads to a lot of failure for for early artists, you know, because you might think that 12 a.m. on Tuesday is going to cut it. But if you're doing an editorial for a company that closes at six, you've just blown your deadline, you yeah. know, and you didn't hit Tuesday. And they That's- said Tuesday, but they meant Tuesday at five o'clock or Tuesday at four o'clock where it allots two hours for revision. Yeah, that's a really good point because um, Tuesday could mean I want it, you know, in my inbox when I come into work on Tuesday or Tuesday could mean, um, you know, I want it before I leave from my office at 6 p.m. on Tuesday or Tuesday could mean you have all day Tuesday till 11.59 or technically till like 6 a.m. Wednesday because what I really want it is I really want it when I come in on Wednesday. And you should never uh, assume in that situation, whether you're giving yeah. that assignment or receiving that assignment, um, you should always be clear. And that, that was the other thing that I kind of, as you were talking, I was kind of processing. The other part of communication is something something that I teach a lot um, is, is delegation. Um, yeah. People assume that they have delegated something when they've asked somebody to do something, but that's not, yeah. a, that's not actual delegation delegation, whether you're delegating to a group of people or whether you're delegating to an individual always has a single person that's responsible. There might be more than one person working on it, yeah. but ultimately a single person is responsible for that thing. So there's a name to it. There's a date and time and there's clear deliverables. And so yeah. you're, you're basically saying, I want you by this point in time, to give me this. And yeah. unless you have each of those three components clearly um, understood and communicated, um, you haven't actually delegated something. Yeah, agreed. And actually, you've touched on a word that I think you might have been maybe teasing at because it's like as an art director, I just heard it like four times and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, and uh, it's like the warning lights flash off. Anytime I'm managing someone and they say, I assumed, um, there, there's like a giant red flag that pops up because um, one of the biggest problems with like just human beings in general is assumption. Yeah. Um, we're not mind readers and we're not really great at mind reading. And no matter how perceptive somebody is, assumes they are, um, generally, uh, when, when you start getting into that area of assumption, it's better to confirm. And, and it, 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 it's irritating in the short term, but it makes for a very successful career in the long term because getting confirmation rather than assumption um, pretty much trumps like most communication failure. Yeah, so and most, so, most places that communication breaks down is where somebody is jumping the gun and saying, when you said this, I assumed this. Right. Um, and, and that becomes even twice as problematic when you're dealing with a language barrier. So, um, so it's something to be really aware of as the, as the servicer, as the um, person being hired to do freelance or hired to do contract work ask a lot of questions, yeah. ask any question, no matter how stupid, because like to me, finding out what you mean by Tuesday, whether I know you're a busy art director or you're a busy person 
and I don't want to bug you. I'd rather find out that by Tuesday you meant Wednesday morning or by Tuesday you meant at 2 a.m. on Tuesday um, in your time. Like maybe it's Eastern time or Pacific time. Like I need to find out those specifics so I can deliver what I'm being hired to do. Um, and, and, you know, it's a, it's a, it's, it's like a mutual thing. And I think that's why it takes a long time to build outsourcing and, uh, build kind of relationships that are not like in your house or in your office, you know? Um, but at the same time, it, it's worthwhile because it does save and cut costs in the long run. Cause you don't have to pay the overhead for like a studio or, um, for, for a school or for a business, um, you, you can kind of cut a lot of costs by doing outsourcing, but it just takes a long time to build. Yeah. And, and you're not limited to the people that live within 30 miles of where you live. You know, you're exactly, you, you have access to whomever. Um, another, another thing that I think is an interesting, an interesting challenge. Um, and this is whether you're in person or whether you are uh, remote is that, you are going to be using either written or spoken language to describe visual things. That is exceptionally difficult. And without, without what's called active listening, which is kind of an annoying process, um, but you, you seek for mutual agreement um, that, that what you're saying and repeating back to them and rephrasing is what they're talking about. So here, here's an example of that. If I said, Josh, um, I'd like you to make this asset and I need it to be blue. Yeah. That literally could mean tens of thousands of different things. Yeah. You know, do you mean, like do you mean Royal blue. Do you, which form of Royal blue? Cause there's yeah. two Royal blues. There's one that's more on the hue of like cyan. There's one that's more on the hue of like blue is a vague statement. Right. You know? And so um, that, so that vague statement needs to be clarified exactly. because it also, are, are you talking about an analogous color palette or a monochromatic color palette? Or are we yeah. talking about a single color? Are we talking about yeah. like five shades of the mm-hmm. same hue of blue, but different values? Or are we talking yeah. about, you know, uh, you know, like what, what do you mean exactly? And then do you that- mean like a certain Pantone of blue? Because if it's one Pantone, then we're going to have to half tone it. And then I need to know your line screen. Right. Because like if your line screen minimum is like larger than what I'm assuming it is, then we might have a problem. So now I need to know like where you're printing and what their limitations are if we're using halftones. Like what I'm get, what Corey and I are getting at is that like something as simple as like what, what might seem really obvious, like where an art director or somebody assigning art just saying, hey, I need this in blue um, might seem really clear. It's not. It's, it's not necessarily clear. And that's why you kind of have to get over your ego a, as a servicer of, of, of somebody's needs in art and just ask the stupid question. Because I'd rather find out that, you know, um, the person literally meant like they wanted blue 72. And that's what they meant by blue. Um, or, you know, uh, 288, which is a pretty standard like navy. Um you know, I, I'd rather know that than like, you know, fly blind and at, you know, one o'clock when I'm pulling punches trying to hit a deadline, uh, go, oh, crap, what did they mean by blue? Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a complex process. I don't know if that 
kind of, I mean, I feel like we're, we're teasing this topic, but yeah. And maybe um, this can be part one and, and just dealing with, you know, like the initial communication. Cause I mean, I yeah. think, um, some, something else could be, um, you know, talking about creative briefs, you know, talking about, um, you know, like the language in a creative brief and what's important yeah. and why, I think that would be really interesting. Um, you know, a lot of those things, but, but ultimately, um, the challenge with this, with this kind of analogy or this situation that we're, that we're describing, the challenge is that, um, you know, Josh is my art director. You could say, Hey, I want this to be blue and you have a perfect image in your mind of what you want that to look like. And then I hear the, that word blue and I get a perfect image in my mind of what I, what I think that you're saying, and they can be drastically different and, and likely are completely not on the same page because you know it's it's a vague instruction that was not clarified by the by the the receiver of that instruction and so both people can walk away with the expectation not managed because that expectation is i communicated yeah. something and it was very clear because there were no questions asked and on the other side it could say i i heard that communication and and he used words i understood and i got an image in my mind so i understand what exactly i'm going to do and so the expectation is that this is going to go well and when it doesn't go well that's where it's really frustrating whereas if 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 you were to say do you understand what i mean by that can i clarify this for you and i say yeah it's like this right and you're like no not at all right or i would just say oh okay blue so you what you're saying is like you want it like this and you're like no, no, actually what I mean is this. And then there's that back and forth, whoever initiates it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But there's that back and forth of clarification that sometimes is like, Hey, you know what? Just let me send you this picture. Like this is, this is yeah. what I'm, this is what I'm talking about. I've got a mood board here or, you know, get out your Pantone sheet and, and look at this one. Or, you know, what I'm looking at is actually, um, you know, HSB, these numbers, you know, or, or whatever it is. Um, you know, there's, there's usually that back and forth until there's like, Oh, we need to get to a point where we both go, ah, I see what you're saying. Right. And this happens yeah. with clients, it happens with freelancers, whatever. And with clients, it's super hard because many of these clients that are hiring us to do these things are hiring us because they have no ability to do these things, which means yeah. that they have even less ability to communicate them. So I, I kind of want to tack onto that with like the, some of the horror words you never want to hear as a freelancer. And maybe when you're new to it, you might be excited to hear these things. Um, one is you're creative, be creative. <laughs> just, just go wild with it. Run. Um, now, if you're like a young student and you're just getting into it, you might buy into that and then you'll be really creative and deliver something that's completely not what the person had envisioned. And then you have a problem. Um, unless you have, unless you, you have know, a good contract, then you're all right. Yeah. Hopefully you have a really good contract that allots for revision time and for clear briefs. Um, but, uh, you know, like an- another one that's, that's really bad is just like, you know, make it pop or, um, you know, make something cool and trendy. Like these are all words yeah. that are meaningless words because what you might perceive as cool or trendy is different than what I might perceive as cool and trendy. Um, so you need to start thinking when you're, when you're dealing with building outsourced teams, it's like you really want to start breaking down the art process so that like it would be very difficult to misunderstand your intention. And so that's where communication becomes key. And I think we'll have to touch on this 
at, at a later time and kind of really get into it. But there are methods to kind of like really break down the communication. And I'd say like a, a good rule of thumb is just assume it will be done wrong. <laughs> when you're writing it out, assume that the person doesn't speak fluent English, that they have no idea what you're talking about. And it's, it's your job to paint a perfect vision of what you want delivered. Okay. I'm going to play, um, de- I'm going to play devil's advocate. You ready? Yeah. But Josh, that takes so much time and I'm really busy. <laughs> so that's the thing. And, and um, that's actually a really big thing because that actually prevents a lot of businesses and a lot of people from having successful art teams Um, the short term investment of that time is going to save you so much money and time, um, from the revision process, because the clearer you are from the get go, the less likely you are to have to make that later investment of massive time where now you're doing cleanup. So you're doing prevent, uh, you're doing work that rather than being preventative and proactive, you're having to be reactive. And in business, um, being reactive is usually a very bad thing because if you're proactive, you're ahead of trends. If you're proactive, you're leading industry. If you're proactive, you're, um, you're setting forth visions and those visions are coming into fruition. If you're reactive, um, that usually means that there's a fire and you're having to deal with the fire. And generally when you're putting out fires after they've happened, it, 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 you're talking about a much higher cost and a, and a much lower, um, uh, uh, a much lower morale throughout the whole process because of the fact that you haven't made that early investment that's properly back planned so that you can actually have a successful result. And, and it's one of those things that you can say a million times and a lot of people just have to kind of go through it and learn the hard way. But I will say um, when you have teams that are not like, you're not directly over their shoulder, you're not able to constantly see what they're doing and they deliver and they, they don't hit the mark. Um, It is one of the most uncomfortable and, and, and frustrating experiences because usually you're on a deadline. And if you're very reliant on that and you haven't back planned for it, um, it puts you in a very compromised position. Yeah. Um, and so I guess that's kind of, did I miss anything? I feel like that's kind of one of the main reasons you want to be clear from the get go and work on that clarity because the 10 extra minutes it takes to write a very um, thorough sentence is going to save you hours of, um, of our time. Yeah. And you, and you said that, and I think it's important. So I'm going to say it again, because I think this is, this is a good place to close this episode, but at the beginning, when you're laying the foundation of the thing, um, when you're communicating what it is, um, if you take more time to do that correctly, it's not a waste of time because it will actually save you, you know, exponential multiplications of that time, on the back yeah. end, every time you have to fix something at the end of a project, it means that you have already spent man hours doing it incorrectly. Yeah. And so I, I get this because I, 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 I help out with this student run advertising agency and I had a conversation today. I continue to have these conversations with these students and they're like, well, we're in a hurry. 
So we didn't do the animatic. We were in a hurry. So we didn't do the storyboard or, you know, they kind of phone it in cause they have to do it, but they just like are doing it to check a box rather than yeah. like take the time to do it correctly. And then at the end it takes weeks where it would have taken hours at the beginning to get that right, to redo it, to do it again, yeah. to do it until it's clearly communicating a good idea of what's going on. But then after you go shoot it, and you go out there and you edit it and then you're in the revision process, you know, getting approvals up the chain and you're going and somebody, you know, somebody at the top says, this is not, you know, what was communicated to me. This is not what I want. Yeah. And then what is, what does all of, all of that work do? You have to do some of it again. And so that little bit of time at the beginning which seems like a lot of time because it's like, listen, I don't have time for this. I am busy. I'm juggling six different projects today. I'm managing 15 yeah. different people or whatever. Um, you are saving yourself time and money at the end of that project by communicating clearly at the beginning. And so don't yeah. fall for that trap of, oh, I'm so busy. I don't have time to lay this out because I do this all the time with my own personal projects where I'm just like, I don't have time to thumbnail it. I'm just going to fly blind. And every time I do that, I end up finishing complete pages that don't end up in the book or don't end up in the yeah. project or whatever. And it's just like, why do I continue to do this? It's because I need to get to the production part because I'm so busy and I'm so rushed for time. Yeah. Always remind yourself every single time that you feel like you've got to, you got to rush the previs. Um, remember that that's where you save the time. That's where you save the money. Yes. And, and something to keep in mind too is um, like, I think as young artists, we're always tempted to skip the thumbnail stage. <laughs> but I think if you guys have been following us for a while, like, you know, I'm on page three of this four page comic for an anthology and I feel pretty confident I'm going to finish it on time. Part of that is because I have a map. Yeah. And so I know where I'm at on the map because I took the time to put in the previs work of doing thumbnails, reworking those thumbnails and coming up with a very clear vision of where I'm heading. And so I can actually visualize what it's going to look like at the end without a lot of speculation and without a lot of nervousness because of all the previs work. Yeah. If you skip that early stage, you're at this point where you're hoping for happy accidents and that's not a really good place to be. It might work out, you know, one out of 10 times, but the odds are way against you. Whereas if you do the previs, if you do the early work, if you write clear briefs, if you spend the time kind of communicating very clearly your expectations, you'll be surprised at how often those expectations are met. And so, um, and, I, and I can say this from experience, like I've seen the best artists that I've met, um, you know, deliver, um, terrible work with a bad brief. Yeah. Um, and I've seen some terrible artists deliver excellent work with a very clear and concise brief. So it, when it comes to kind of building those teams and, and keep in mind, if you're on the other end and you're getting an unclear brief, um, the responsibility lies on both ends. If yeah. you're getting an unclear brief, you need to seek clarity so that you can knock it out of the park. Um, because just saying, hey, hit the ball, right? Um, when you don't know the pitch, you don't know the angle, you don't know the direction, and you don't know the game is a real dangerous game. Whereas, you know, if you know, like, okay, we're playing baseball, you know, um, 
we got this situation going on. We got this guy on first and this guy on second. And if you just kind of tap it, if you can just get it moving, we, we might be able to steal a base. Like, you know, all the potential, um, then your game is a little more interesting and, and your possibility of, of scoring or succeeding is, is, is a lot more likely than just kind of throwing somebody um, with a blindfold on a field or a court. They have no idea if it's a court or a field and just going score goals, <laughs> you know, well, where's I, the goal? I, have, I have a perfect analogy for this that goes along with what you're saying that I used to use for a different situation, but works really well here. Yeah. It's like one team shows up to play baseball and the other team shows up to play soccer and on the same field at the same time, and they're playing against each other. Um, and somebody hits a home run and the other team is like, well, that's not the game we're playing. And so like you, you think you understand the rules and you think you understand when you score and there's something weird that's going on over there, but you're not exactly sure. And so you kick the yeah. soccer ball into the goal and then there's these guys running around a diamond and you're like, well, all right, whatever, but I got my soccer ball in the goal. So I'm good to go. Right. And that is, yeah. that's the, the artist art director relationship, the, the designer client relationship, the project manager remote, uh, you know, uh, relationship. Um, you, you need to make sure that you set the rule that you understand that you're playing the same game and that there are rules to that game and that, you know, everybody agrees to, you know, what is a goal? Like, what is it? What puts points on the scoreboard? I've, I've agreed to these metrics at the beginning before we started playing, you know, like these are the rules. I, I like, I played volleyball in high school and, uh, and there's, there's high school rules that are different in the West than there are in the East. There are college rules that are different and they're significantly different. And so when you, you know, get out outside of that, that situation, um, before you start a game with people that know what they're talking about, you're going, okay, do we have a libero? Are we, are we, you know, are we playing this? Are we playing that, you know, back row hitting? Like you have to kind of like, you know, what are the you know, what are the, what are the rules before we get this thing started so that we can define what success is and we can understand when, when points at the yeah. scoreboard. And you'll be surprised. Like, um, I I've done freelance for like multiple clients, like from tiny small businesses that are like started up by like mom and pop to like giant conglomerate corporations. And I will say there's across the board, you'll have, um, art directors hire you to do a job and they'll be like, you know, um, say they're working for like a weekly and they're like, this is an editorial. It's due tomorrow. Here's the article. And that's as much of a brief as you get. Mm -hmm. Now, if I were to just go forward with that, I'm going to turn in something that is the wrong size, the wrong resolution. I don't know if it's for print or for web. Right. <laughs> I don't know what their restrictions are. Like, can it be full color? Can it be black and white? And there are so many potential problems with that. And I think when you're new, um, hopefully you've heard the R check and heard this episode and then you can avoid these things. But when you're new, a lot of the time you're just hungry for the work. So you take the job and then you're at that awkward position where it's an hour before deadline and you're like, wait a minute, it, what size did they want? Right. Like they never said the size, like they never actually said the physical size this drawing can be and then like oh man can it like where is it going to appear on the article is this a header or is this like like you know um all of those questions it's 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 a matter of like trying to kind of push your vision forward and perceive all the questions you're going to have an hour before it's due 
Um, and, and, and then you get like pretty used to it to the point where I used to have a default email that I would send clients who were unsure of themselves where it would ask like, what resolution is this? Is it supposed to be vector? Is this supposed to be a raster image? Is it in CMYK? Like, is this for print? Is this for web? It like, um, you know, just asking more specifics, basic specifics that will help them get what they want. Um, and, and it doesn't, it really does not hurt. And that's one of the advantages of hiring like a really seasoned artist is like when you hire a seasoned artist, they're rarely not going to ask those questions. Whereas when you hire a young kind of hotshot artist who might be 20 times better than, than the seasoned one, they may not know the right questions to ask to get you the art you need. They're going to give so, you a, a really amazing 72 DPI illustration for your full color print thing that you're doing. Exactly. Yeah. You're printing in <laughs> CMYK and they might deliver stuff done in Pantone. You know, it, it's just, um, you, you definitely on both ends, it's about clarity and it's about kind of helping each other achieve clarity. So in a weird way, it's like any relationship, you know, it's like when, when you're married, you start learning that too. Like the clearer you are about your expectations and about like what works for you and what doesn't work for you, what upsets you, what doesn't upset you like that, that, like clear communication has to do with like setting very clear expectations. And what's weird is when you set clear expectations, even if it seems kind of overdone or redundant or kind of, you might feel like an idiot when you're asking these questions What's weird is you end up getting better results when you're when you when you know exactly what um, what is expected and and when you made it clear what the expectations are. So yeah. So uh, Squatchy Inc. in the in the chat said uh, his his comic is thumbnailed and sketchbooks and scripted all the way to issue thirteen. So now I've got my map just like Josh said, um, and now it's the fun stuff. And I feel like you know if you eat your vegetables at the beginning, then then you, you know you get to eat your dessert at the end. And I think we all enjoy uh, you know the execution more than we do the the planning. Um, however, uh, I'm such a noob that I thumbnailed each issue having like forty pages because I got c- confused with page amount. So maybe uh, so I maybe scripted and thumbnailed double. Uh, what, what a normal issue is. So, so anyway, that's great. So you've got, you know, 26, uh, issues. If yeah. you do that. And Hey, floppy. you know what? You're going at an advantage because at least you did 40, which is divisible by four. So by like book design rules, like, yeah. Hey, you can have a little 40 page book. Yeah. So just 10 signatures um, and you're good to go. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay. Well, I think we could, I think we could keep going on this forever and I think we should, but not tonight. So let's, uh, Let's wrap this up. Thanks to everybody in the chat. Hopefully that was fun. Um, as always, uh, leave us a review on the podcast. Uh, I know that some of you have done that and um, I failed to bring that up, but I will read those on the air here soon because that's awesome. And uh, if you want to check out the podcast, you can always go to coreykerr.com slash 48HR. And you want to check out my stuff, you can go to coreykerr.com, C-O-R-Y-K-E-R-R.com. And uh, Josh is always at um, quarterlystories.com. And then you can see the pages that uh, he has finished and the one that he's about to finish. Um, They're there. If you'd like to read them on mobile, then you can check that out at tapas.io and just search for quarterly stories and make sure that you subscribe and uh, comment and like and all that stuff that kind of triggers all those algorithms. And uh, you're on my channel. 
Um, so if you haven't subscribed or hit that bell, make sure to do that. If you haven't hit that thumbs up, make sure to do that. And uh, leave a comment in the uh, things because we're trying to trigger all the algorithms. All the algorithms <laughs> will be triggered. There'll be lots of triggering of algorithms. So that'll be great. All right. So uh, you guys are awesome. And I, oh, one last thing. Uh, we've we've kind of forgotten to do this lately, but um, but I think we should get back into it. Uh, I'm super curious on what you guys have found works really well or things to avoid in kind of the initial conversation when you're initiating, um, you know, a relationship, uh, we're going to be producing something for somebody. Um, yeah. Or- and to clarify, to clarify too, we're not just talking about like, um, situations where maybe you're hiring somebody. We're also talking about just collaborations. So if mm-hmm. you've teamed up with like a buddy, like Corey and I, for instance, we've worked on projects and we're in different States. So in those cases, like, I'm just kind of curious about any of those cases, if it's collaboration where it's like, you just work with the design with another person, what are some tips and some kind of maybe warnings of bad experiences, good experiences, why those things went well or badly. We want to hear in the chats. So, yeah. yeah. All right. You guys are awesome. We will see you in a couple of days. We are out. Yes.